Today on the Fatherhood Podcast, I was able to catch up with an old friend of mine, Reverend Omari Hughes. Omari is an associate pastor of Reed Temple AME Church here in the D.C. area. We were able to talk about, among other things, his career, faith and fatherhood, and how he balances his ministry responsibilities with being a dad. So I hope you enjoy. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is the Fatherhood Podcast. Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. Before we get started, man, just how, how have things been going, man? How's life with you? Man, life is good. You know, um, very, very, very busy. Um, family's going well, man. Um, my wife and I are, are doing well. Um, we have a son, obvious, uh, obviously. Uh, well, rather not obviously. You didn't have to know that. But yeah, <laughs> he, he's uh, he's six now and a first grader. Um, and so that is a tremendous blessing. Um, ministry is good. Um very, very active and, and very busy there and um, just demanding um, of my schedule. But I love what I do. I don't feel like I go to work. I feel like I just, I, I am and, and I get to kind of exist in what I was put here for and what I was created to do, if you will. And so um, I'm really blessed and really fortunate to be able to do something that I love full time and somehow um, been able to be blessed enough to be able to provide for my family by doing so. So I'm, I'm in a good place, man. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, man. I, I don't know how you feel, but it just seems like it was yesterday when we were in college, you know, doing a college thing. And now here we are um, in our 30s, you know, husbands, fathers, professionals. It just it is amazing how how quickly time has flown by. Man, it uh, it's insane. I was talking to uh, some of my, uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but I, I pledged in uh, undergrad and I was talking mm-hmm. to some of my um, Line Brothers, um, just recently, we were planning a trip coming up, and uh, I was talking to one of them, Josh um, Mangana. Josh was like, man, do you know we're in our 30s, bro? And yeah. like, what is going on, you know? And um, just kind of reminiscing and reflecting. But time does so swiftly fly by, man. But, you, but again, like, you know, relationships with people who you've experienced life with um, just, just are a blessing. So, yeah. Great, man. So before we get too far uh, down the road, Amari, I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell them, tell them a little about a little about yourself. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, man, I am. Um, I'm originally uh, from Richmond, Virginia. Um, grew up there. Uh, born and raised um, until you know eighteen. So the first, uh, you know, formative years of my life, like most people, um, came from a wonderful home. Man, my father, and my mother, both uh, educators. Actually, um, my father taught. Um, elementary um, ele- education, uh, actually early childhood education for uh, over 30 years in the public school system. My mother's a speech pathologist and she is uh, moving towards retirement, but still uh, working today. And um, after I graduated from high school, from Richmond Community High School, went to uh, Hampton uh, University where I majored in broadcast journalism. And, um, you know, it's funny, I live in an area now that's surrounded by a bunch of bison folks, so I have to constantly remind them that Hampton 
university <laughs> is, 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 is the HU of HUs. And, uh, you know, but went there, um, obviously studied, uh, as I mentioned, uh, journalism and communication, broadcast journalism specifically. And um, when I graduated from Hampton, you and I met, you know, obviously in the band. Um, and so it enjoyed that, did, did, had the, had just a full black college experience, man, playing the marching band, um, uh, pledge Q and, um, left, um, worked for uh, WMAR in Baltimore. I was the director of new media there. So that was around the time that the internet was really becoming uh, a force to kind of be reckoned with in broadcasting. And mm-hmm. so created opportunity for me to begin my career there. I was there for a few years, uh, worked went very well, um, left there and went um, and worked for a privately owned firm called MessageWorks. And I actually became a partner in that firm and we uh, built that company up. And uh, it was while I was there that, man, I felt like I was being called into ministry. And so um, I, I left, uh, I was living in Baltimore at the time and uh, kind of recalibrated, made some major life changes, major shifts and ended up uh, at Princeton, um, where I pursued my master's in divinity degree. And so obviously that just was a major life change, took me in a completely different direction. And it's just been a ride and a journey since then. I graduated from Princeton and was immediately um, blessed to be able to go um, and to serve full time as a pastor uh, at the Church of the Redeemer in Philly. I did that for uh, just over uh, five, about six years, left there and came down to Maryland uh, and served. And now I am um, one of the uh, co-leads of a ministry here uh, that was uh, birthed through Reed Temple called New Life. And um, yeah, man, just just enjoying pastoring and enjoying ministry and really feeling like I'm walking in my calling. So that's a... That, that is awesome, man. And like I said before, um, very extremely proud of you and the work that you're doing. Um, those of you who are listening who are in the D.C. area are familiar with Reed Temple. So I encourage you to go um, check out Amari's church and just get get involved with the community he's he's helping to build over there. Um, all that aside, Amari, you, you are a family man and you mentioned your wife and son Earlis. Just kind of tell our listeners a little bit more about them. Sure. Yeah, man. So my wife, I actually met uh, Natalie um, at seminary, in seminary. Uh, she's a Hampton grad too. So um, fortunately, she didn't meet me while I was at Hampton. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, man. So uh, we actually met uh, later on in life uh, at seminary and, um, and met, fell in love and uh, just, just had a, a beautiful relationship. Uh, we were married for uh, just over a year. Um, when um, our first our, our son came, uh, his name is Khalil, and he's just a joy, man, Khalil Omari, and um, he is a wonderful. He is a uh, just just an amazing child, man, and um, you know, having a son, particularly, I remember my dad saying to me, man, all 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 men want sons, all men want sons, mm-hmm. you know, and there there is probably some truth to that, um, you know. So it's just a blessing to be able to have him and to have them. Um, my wife, uh, is, um, is a stay at home mom right now. She, she, uh, really been blessed to be able to do that. And so she, um, you know, serves in different ways. She has, uh, run summer camps in the churches uh, where I've served. She's actually worked, uh, at my son's school and ran there, uh, cause she has an undergraduate degree in finance and as well as her master's of divinity from Princeton as well. Um, but she's, uh, worked in a lot of different places and does, does a lot of different things. Um, um, on our own in an entrepreneurial way, but, um, yeah, man, that, that's them. And that's, that's my, that's kind of my, my, my locus, man, my world. Yeah. Awesome, man. So when we're talking about fatherhood, Omari, um, what does being a father uh, mean to you? Man, that's a great question. Um, I, I for me, it, it means 
you have an amazing opportunity to be the custodian or uh, responsible for uh, somebody else's life for a limited period of time, um, in which, man, you you are um, given this amazing opportunity to sow into them and to um, help them become who it is that they were, based on my, my faith, that they were created to be. And, um, you know, for me, man, it's a temporary assignment, you know, um, not to say that they're you're not obviously you're part of your son's life or your child's life for the rest of your natural life and for the rest of theirs. Um, but the roles change. And, um, you know, there are times when I, I've seen, um, you know, the parental child relationship, it becomes more of a friendship or a mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's this period of time in which you really are, you know, fathering them in a very intimate and intense way. And um, for me, man, it just means making sure that you are doing all you can to help them become who they're supposed to be and giving them the best example possible, giving them the the, the tools that they need to do so and, and giving them the love, man, and uh, support that they need to do so. Um, I know that that's such a kind of ambiguous answer, but... It, no, man, no, that's that's great. You know, um, I want to go back to that moment you found out you were going to be a dad. Everyone remembers that moment. I remember that moment. I remember the day I um, found out I was going to be a father. Um, once you you realize this was happening, uh, who who did you want to pattern your approach to fatherhood after? You mentioned your dad earlier, but in addition to him, who were some men in your life growing up, or maybe in your your young adult life, um, you know, professional life that you want to say, hey, I want to be a dad like this person is. Dude, that's a great question. So, I mean, I I, I have to really harp on my dad just because my dad, mm-hmm. man, was just a crazy great dad. Uh, yeah, I mean, like. He just he killed being a dad. <laughs> like like I mean like you know even as an adult I mean we we have dif- differences and a lot of disagreements now that I'm an adult. But right. I've even been able to distinguish how amazing he was as a father. Um, you know, he, c- constant presence. I don't remember doing something in school or outside of school between ages one and 18, you know, I mean, not natural memory, you know, at 18, where he was not there, you know, um, he was just present, um, you know, constant um, feedback, constant support, um, just, just, a, just a very, just a great presence, man. And um, great example, I think, you know, taught me so much about who I was, uh, particularly as a, as a black man. My dad was very active um, in the, um, in, in civil rights and very active in the, in the, in the Panther party. He taught revolutionary ideology and um, in Boston around in Harvard square during the sixties, man, when it was just a high time for our people. And so he just helped me to understand who I am, the great, um, great, great kind of, you know, history and lineage that we come from um, and just did an amazing job to do so. I, I honestly, because you know, this, I mean, I played in a band, obviously the marching band, Jamar, like um, my band directors were huge influences on me. Um, yeah. You know, th- those those were guys who, if you have an understanding of what the black marching band is, it is such a world, you know, and such a rich culture. And um, the the guys who are stewards of that, the guys and gals who are steward of that, they 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 impart into you as much as they teach you, you know, um, and they spend time with you and cultivate you, man. And so my band directors were huge. And then, um, you know, kind of. Um, mentors, uh, I guess, as you will come into ministry spiritually, have been huge for me as well. Um, there's been uh, a couple in particular. One was um, 
Um, one really is uh, my, my pastor today. He's retired now, but um, Pastor Leapy Washington, um, the the former pastor of Reed Temple, is my father in in ministry. And I mean, I cannot even explain to you on that side of my life um, the impact that he had. I mean, he apart from my my biological father, there's been no one who's had as great of an impact on me. And so teaching me um, how to live out my faith in a way that could be applied to my life and has impacted every area of my life has been so life altering for me. Those would be the men that I would kind of um, push people to or target if I had to. So, so it's, it's clear, Omari, that you, you've had that you've had a lot of examples um, to show you how to father, and you've you've have a lot of role models in that space. But you know, we all know the reality sets in when you're at home, and and I'm just curious, what has been some of the what have been some of the more difficult or challenging aspects um, for you as you've stepped into this new role as father? Man, if I could be uh, candid. Absolutely. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Man, it, <laughs> dude, fatherhood requires a lot of patience, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, it requires an inordinate amount of patience. I mean, you know, brothers who are who are consistent and in it, it is no game. It is it is it it, it pulls on every aspect of you, particularly, you know, again, I my son is six, but um young children, man, they are children, you know, they they do the things that kids do. I, I just, Jamar, before I jumped on this joint with you, I picked up my son from school. I'm not lying. He asked me probably 30 questions <laughs> between like, you know, what, in, a, in a five to 10 minute drive from his school to our home. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just constant. What is this? What is this? What is this? And so you're constantly being pulled on, um, you know, um, they, they, they need, they need your presence. They need your patience. They, they, they need your impartation. They need your learning. They need your guidance. And, and that means that you just have to be there for so much. And so um, it, it, it pulls, it requires a lot of you, particularly in terms of patience. I'm, I'm actually an introvert, even though, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very involved in ministry. So I have a very public, um, you know, uh, career, if you will, of public calling. I'm constantly around people. I serve at a very large church. Um, but man, like, I like being by myself. Now that doesn't work when you are a father of a young child. <laughs> yeah, you know. So even finding time just to kind of think my own thoughts can sometimes be a challenge. Um, and I think that those are kind of like the biggest pulls, the biggest challenges for me um, would just be in those areas, man. Just just being patient. Um, and, and but then also I would say a part of that for me, man, is you have to be willing to make quick adjustments. You know, mm. um, when you learn something, my wife is a great um, sounding board for me, and she's a great mirror for me. And sometimes, man, like you know, when I when I'm you know uh, getting on my son, correcting my son, talking to him, she'd be like, man, you know, you could have said that differently or could have done. And man, I'm like, wow, okay, so I got to make these adjustments quickly because everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm saying how I'm handling myself is having an impact on this man that I'm raising. And, um, and so making quick adjustments, man, and being open to the critique and feedback that's needed to do so is also a huge part of it. That, that is some great perspective, man. So it, how would you, in doing some reflection and some, and some self-assessments, how would you say you have evolved from year one of fatherhood to now that your son, uh, Khalil, is six? How have you changed? Man, that's great. That's great. Um, 
for one man, I just see myself. You know, like <laughs> your kid does things that they had to have gotten from you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like your kid does things, says things, the way he thinks about the world. Um, you know, I'm using he because of my son, but the way your your son thinks about the world, approaches the world, you you literally are like, man, wow, look, look at me. Look at me right there. Look at me doing that. You know, and, and so you you just realize uh, I'm able to see myself better. You know, I'm able to make certain adjustments because they're, you know, the, the good things that I hope are positive, I want him to embrace. But but man, I'm a human, dude. You know, yeah. so there's some things about me that I don't want him to embrace. And so the only way for that to happen is for them not to be demonstrated or shown. So again, that that quick adjustment place. Um, I, I'm just mindful, man. I'm mindful of my words. I'm mindful of what I'm, everything from like what I'm listening to. My kid is reading now and praise God, he's reading well, you know? So, so that that is a whole new situation for for those, you know, who don't who don't have kids. You know, you can't, you can't just, have certain things around, like if, if what what album I put on in the car, my yeah. kid's gonna read every song on the on the dashboard, and then he's gonna ask me a question about the song. Oh, such and such and such. What does that mean? What is it? You know. Um, so just being mindful of man, you know, what I'm consuming, what I'm putting out, what's around me, um, what I'm saying. Um, I, I I hope that I'm becoming more reflective. But I hope, man, that I'm also becoming more patient and I hope I'm becoming more willing to change and more aware of my own flaws. Um, That's great, man. That's really interesting because I was having a conversation with my wife the other day uh, about being a father. And one of the things that's really been an eye-opener to me is how aware, even at one years old, how aware he is of what I'm doing. You know, I look up, his eyes are constantly on me so that I have to be mindful of what I'm doing because I'm setting an example. He's going to mimic and ask questions like you're talking about and want to know about this, this, and this. And so I have to, you have to set that example, man. So that, that, that's great. Um, both of us have sons and, you know, yours a little older than mine, obviously, but I, I know that there's going to come a time, you know, Amari, when I'm going to have to have some difficult conversation with him about life, about, you know, what it means to be a black man in America. And I'm wondering if you have had those conversations with him. Um, if not, how are you planning to do so? No, that's the dude. That's a great question. Um, one of the things that's interesting is even in addition to, if I can insert this, having conversation with him, I talk to my wife a lot about that. Mm. Um, because my wife grew up as a black woman, not as a black man. And I, and I just, right. in our country, man, those are total, those are, we have, we have shared experience because of, because of our shared ethnicity, but being a black man, is still being a black man, being a black woman is still being a black woman. And I still believe the most um, stereotyped, the most um, denigrated oftentimes, and the the worst oftentimes nightmare for um, many, many, many within our country is, is a black man. You know, um, there's so much that walks in the door with you when you walk in the door. So I, I'm trying to you know, so I have conversations with my wife about wanting to ensure that Khalil knows like what he can and cannot get away with. You know, um, he can't say the same things that, you know, he could if he was a young white boy. You know, um, he just can't, you know, um, he can't um, behave in some of the same ways. He he has to have flexibility. Um, I was talking to a friend earlier today about how on point Dubois was when he talked about, Du Bois was when he talked about double consciousness, you know. Um, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful that I need to raise a son who's aware of his context. And so I'm constantly talking to my wife, man, just to make sure that we're correcting the right things, that we're teaching the right things, and that we're instilling confidence in who he is. Um, you know, at the same time, um, I, I'm trying to make sure that Khalil is um, self-aware, but also self-confident. And I'm really blessed. You know, we grow. He's growing up in Prince George's County, which is one of the wealthiest Black counties in the country. Um, he's surrounded by people who look like him. He goes to a a, a Black uh, private Christian school. He has teachers who look like him and who love him. Um, so he's being affirmed at every level. And while I'm not at a place yet where I'm having very um, candid, straightforward um, race conversations with you, with him, as if you will. I'm just very mindful of how I'm teaching him to engage the world in which he lives, um, so that he will know um, um, what 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 he needs to do in order to be successful. And so, when we start to kind of springboard into some of those deeper and more um, candid conversations. Um, He'll, he'll have some of whatever framework for that. I don't know if that's helpful. No, that, that's awesome, man. I'm talking today to uh, Reverend Amari Hughes on the Fatherhood Podcast, Associate Minister um, at Reed Temple AME Church here in Maryland. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit, Amari, and and, and talk to um, faith and, and, and fatherhood and the intersection between the two. Um, and I thought that's where I thought you would be a good guest to talk about that. So when when talking about faith as it pertains to fatherhood, how would you describe the intersection of, of the two? That's great. Um, I I don't the, the the intersection. I like that terminology because I don't think that there's I can I can't separate them. You know, mm-hmm. like faith for me is not something that I have. Faith for me is something that I that I that I try to live out um, and try to embody in every aspect in every area of my life. My faith as a Christian, my faith as a believer is what informs how I interact with the world, how I see the world, how I think about the world, and how I engage others in it. And so obviously that's true for um, fatherhood. I mean, I I think that that's why early on, you know, I mentioned that I feel like, you know, my role is kind of a temporary one in some regards, you know, because ultimately, man, I feel like my son is God's son. and and mm. and, and I'm here you know, uh, for this, for this period of time, man, just to kind of be a blessing to him and try to teach him and equip him to become who God has created him to be. I'm, I'm kind of like a a temporary figure, if you will, you know, in some way, shape or form, not just talking about when I pass on and I'm, you know, gone on and and I've deceased, but, but even while I'm here, I mean, I, I feel like I'm trying to position him to become who God has created him to be. And, and I want to do that, um, in every aspect of, of, of his life, in every aspect of, of my life. And so um, transparency is important. Um, I want I want my son to see consistency. I, I, I want him to see me be the same man that I am around him um, as I am around others. Uh, I want him to see me be the same man that I am when I'm in the pulpit as, as when I'm outside of the pulpit. And I, and I want him to understand that um, I believe that my role is to, you know, teach him in some way, shape or form, man, um, that he ha- he ultimately has a has a heavenly father who loves him far more than I do, and you know prayerfully, man, the way that I live out my life is a reflection of the love of God that I believe you know th- that God has for him. 
you kind of tap into a little bit of the next question I wanted to ask, where they're sort of related. You know, we as fathers and parents in general, uh, moms too, we have a, a, a laundry list of things that we have to do, to do that, that checklist as parents. You have to make sure, you know, you know, they're getting their learning. You have to make sure they're they're, they're fed, and you know, all those things that that we have to do um, as parents. But for you, where does you know? imparting in, in, in faith into your son? Where does that fall into the to-do list for you? That's great, man. Um, I, if, if I could introduce this, this terminology, like I, I'm really, I want to make sure my son, you know, um, talking shop here a little bit. Those, those who study kind of um, faith in this country, we're, we're, we're becoming an increasingly secular society. I mean, so just to kind of show you that, you know, when I was a kid, there were a lot of businesses that were closed on Sundays, you know, that right. anymore. you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, you can't, you know, um, you can't pray in school openly in many places. And I mean, we're just becoming um, more and more biblically illiterate, if you will, and things of that sort. And, and this is not just uh, I, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but um, faith in general um, kind of is uh, giving way to more of a secularized society. I really want my son to grow up with a God consciousness. I want him to know he has a creator. He has a heavenly father. I want him to know that there's a call on his life. I want him to know that he's created with purpose. I want him to know he has a destiny. I want him to know God loves him. I want him to know that no matter what he does, that God will forgive. I want him to know that, you know, for me and my faith personally, I want him to know he has a savior. I want him to know um, that, that that Christ died for him. I, I, th- those things are very important for me. And, and I want him to see faith as something that is practical not something that is put on a shelf. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I want it to be lived out in such a way that he understands like, no, nah, man, my dad, you know, gets up in the morning and, and prays. So so check this out. Um, that, that That's actually something that I do. When I get up in the morning, the first thing that I do is I, I get on, the, I get, literally get on the floor and I put my face on the ground and I just thank God for the day. And I pray for my family, pray for several things. And I do that before I even go into the, um, the bathroom. That's just kind of a personal discipline that I have to brush my teeth and go with the rest of my day. One of the most amazing things that happened to me was my son was probably two or three and I got up and I did that in the morning. And then when I kind of lifted my head off the floor, my son was kneeling down in front of me with his head on the floor, Mm. you know, and, um, that just, that just blessed me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that just blessed me, man. Because I mean, I feel like he is understanding that this is a this is real for me. That faith is real for me, and so um, I, I try to do things. I pray for him, but I don't just pray for him. Like before I preach, he prays for me, you know. And Daddy, give my God, give my Daddy power to preach in mm-hmm. Jesus' name, Amen. You know. Uh, and in moments like that, not to cut you off, but in moments like that, it has to feel like okay, I'm doing something right. He gets it. Yeah. No, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's like, wow, like, you know, um, because because I didn't really have that either. You know, so I grew up in a blessed home, man, in a wonderful house. But 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 church was on Sunday in my house. And that was pretty much it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there was nothing. There was no real um, not a lot of faith in between, not a lot of God in between, if you will. And so I, I want him to know that this is something that we live with every day. And I also wanted to know, it's not that Kirky weird snuff, like, you know, where you walk around with a Bible in your backpack, yeah. you know what I mean? And like everything you say is blessed and highly favored. And, you know, like, nah, man, like, dude, you're going to be, you know, my son is <laughs> Thursday. We going to basketball practice. You know what I mean? Like you just finished soccer. Like, you know, cause I, 
that's another thing in and of itself is is as a pastor raising a kid wanting them to be no, having a normal life and a normal upbringing. Right. Um, so so yeah, it does make you feel like you you're you're, you're getting it, if you will, man. That's great. And you to, to that point you just mentioned, um, you know, those of us who have grown up in church or have somewhat some familiarity with, with church know know that leadership it requires a lot of you. Um, and to that point, how are you working to balance the two? You know, your your responsibilities um, as a as a leader in the church with just being dad. Oh, that's great. So there's a couple things. One, like my I, I understand my family to be my number one priority. Period. You know, it's it's God family for me. So, you know, like um, when I was pastoring in Philly, I would let people know if I'm in a meeting, and um, you know, my wife calls me because my wife generally knows my schedule, knows what's going on. If she calls me, no matter who I'm with, man, I'm going to step out and answer the phone because it's my wife. Mm -hmm. I I set that kind of precedent. Um, With my son, a big part of that for me is access. Um, I want my son to know whether I'm in a pulpit or whether I'm, you know, on the floor, no matter where I am, like he has access to me because I'm his dad. Um, and, And I try to do that by also balancing, you know, his understanding of what's sacred. Cause what can happen is when you grow up and you're in church all the time, it desensitizes you mm-hmm. in some ways to, to, to the sacred, if you will. Um, I'm kind of talking shop there, but it, it can do that. And so, you know, what that looks like him having access to me is like, yeah, you, if daddy's preaching, you know, you can't just run up into the pulpit or if daddy's in the pulpit, you can't <laughs> run up in the pulpit, but yeah. what, if, if you really need me, I'll come down to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll come to you because you're my son. Um, you know, um, when, when, um, when, when, when we were talking about what we would do, you know, I'm preaching, you know, on Sundays, a lot of times like multiple services, I could be all day. Um, my son is a kid, man. He does not need to be in church all day. You know what I mean? So that's not normal for a kid. So, you know, my, we, we would, my wife would bring him to one service and then he would go home and spend the rest of his day like a normal kid. You know, he's not coming to every activity at church during the week. A lot of times he doesn't do a lot of activities at church during the week. I mean, he plays basketball and does other things. I mean, faith is a huge part of his upbringing, but I just want him to have a, a life in which, um, you know, it, it, he does not confuse um, my work in church um, with, 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 with his role as my son and where he knows there's no competition. He, he comes first uh, um, uh, above everything. And so um, that's, that's some of the things that I, that I try to do to, to kind of balance that out. That's that's interesting, man. Because you know, in in our generation, growing up, I mean, even our you know parents and grandparents' generation, there there was that was non negotiable. You were there whenever whenever our parents were at church. I mean, you were there, and that that sometimes included the multiple um, services on Sunday that you that you uh, that you speak about. So, I guess that leads to my next question: Is how are you preparing? How do you plan to deal with as he gets older? And you know, kids are kids. You you know this deal with some of the, the, I guess the challenges would be the the right word of being the quote unquote preacher's son. Yeah. No, nah, man, I, I try to make sure that that is, so that's so funny. I don't even know if I've dealt with that, like I'd probably need to. Um, but because, because a lot of that pressure comes from the outside, right? Yeah. So, um, it's not just going to be, you know, my wife and I will do all we can to make sure that he understands that he's just a kid. He's a normal kid, but, but still people are going to put certain expectations on him um, as, as, as the son of a, of a preacher, as a preacher's kid, if you will. I hate that word. I, I'm like, it horrifies me to think yeah. that I be a preacher's kid. Real talk. Um, 
I, first of all, I grew up making fun of preachers' kids, you know. So like, <laughs> just like, oh, funny how that works, huh? Yeah, 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 you know. And um, and and I and I grew up putting unnecessary pressure on him and thinking, oh, look, the preacher, you know. And I really don't want him to have that. And I guess, I guess, the best thing I can do is just give him a sense of self awareness and self confidence that he knows, man, that he is who he is, and that who others say he is is not um, is is not a defining factor. Um, you know, and, and, um, and giving him access, man, to people who, who love him for who he is, you know what I mean? Um, for me, that's important. It's important for him to be around and for me to be around. And, and, let me, and cause I think one of the things that can happen amongst preachers, I've, again, I'm talking shop for just a moment. It can be, this happens with any career. When you love what you do and when you do what you're passionate about, you spend a lot of time around people who also do that, do those things. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're not careful, you end up not being around people who don't know you as just Omari. You know, yeah. I mean? um, everybody who you're around knows you as pastor or Reverend Hughes or whatever. And so then everybody identifies your son as the son of a preacher. But for me, fortunately, that's that's really not the case because I came into ministry, you know, later in life. Um I have a whole network of people who just are like, yeah, man, it's just Omari. And so when my son is around them, he's just Khalil. You know, he's not a preacher's kid. He's just Khalil. And so keeping him um, in places where he's in relationship with people who just love him for who he is and who are not in relationship with him because of, um, you know, an inordinate number, an inordinate level of reverence for his father or his father's career or his father's calling is really important, I think, in, in working towards that overall goal of, um, just allowing him to be who he is and, and, and me trying to prepare him for um, some of this, the negative stigma that may come his way because of uh, what, what, I, what I'm called to do. Yeah, yeah, man, that, that's great. So we're talking about faith and fatherhood today on the podcast. And Omari, how, how has your, how, give me an example of your faith being tested and, and how have you dealt with that? Maybe it's been some uncertainty, some insecurities you've dealt with, but at, at what point has your faith been tested? And tell our listeners how you've, you've dealt with that. Man, so I'll, I'll say um, one of the ways um, was really kind of, well, two things. Um, one was kind of transitioning into ministry because um <laughs> I was a professional heathen before I came into ministry. You know, like, I, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, I, like, I, I, I mean, I, I, in undergrad, man, I, I had a great time, and I, uh, yeah. I graduated, you know, with honors and all like that. But I had a fantastic time, you know, um, along the way. Um, later on, man, you know, um, when I was in my upper twenties, I felt like God was calling me into ministry. And I had to make a lot of major life changes um, in order to really kind of position myself for that. Um, the people who I'm around had to change. Uh, what I did had to change. How I think, had how I was thinking had to change. And that was probably one of the most traumatic seasons in my life. Um, the inordinate amount of loneliness that I felt during that season was just like crazy for me. And um, And I think it was really jarring for me to kind of find myself by myself in, in some really complete ways for kind of like the first time. Um, and, and, and in those, those seasons, I really had no one to kind of turn to or depend on consistently, but, but I felt like God. And, and that was what really, I think, grounded me in my faith and who God is, who God will be in my life. And, you know, some of the things that you hear stop being cliche, you know, like 
you know, if you've been in church, you hear you hear some preacher tell you he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and yada yada yada. You know, but mm-hmm. those things begin to become more real for me. Um, the other man, you know, this year early on, without going into a huge amount of detail, my my wife got really ill and almost and almost lost her life um, because of a uh, diagnosis that she received. It came out of the blue um, and was very uh, fast acting, very acute. I mean, we. Uh, a trip to the emergency room ended up being a helicopter ride uh, to Johns Hopkins um, and some rather e- extreme and immediate um, things had to be done to save her life. We were in the hospital for over a month. We didn't go home. I mean, we, we went to the went to the emergency room thinking we we're going to come back home in a couple of hours and then go, literally did not go home for over a month. Um, and uh, since then have um, been, been progressing towards her healing and thank god she's made huge progress and um and, and is well on her way um but man that was such a jarring move for me and to to bring it full circle with the topic of your podcast i because my wife was away and because um she uh has needed to devote herself towards um healing my role as a father has become even more pronounced because things that we were doing together now I found myself doing by myself. Hmm. And um, it's been a profound journey. For one, I have so much appreciation for people who are legitimately single parents. I have no idea how they do what they do. You are literally a superhero. (laughs) You know, like, I don't, I seriously, dude, I don't know how you do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you do that. my 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 parents kind of dropped what they did, came up and moved in with us, so so she could get well. Um, you know, different people from our network family have surrounded us in a real way, so I wasn't alone in that. But but still, you know, my son couldn't touch his mom, so he wanted me. So um, you know, my 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 role as a father ha- has been even more pronounced. And I think what I've learned in that is that God will give you strength for the journey, man. You know. I have no way of explaining how I've been able to um, continue to be a father, continue to be a husband, and continue to serve God and serve his people other than, man, you know, it's not by my own strength, but it's by his. And so um, I think that that has been um, the experience, you know, of a lifetime for me. Um, I'm permanently changed because of it. I'm still being changed because of it. I'm eternally grateful that my wife is just here and um, that she is well on her way to being back. Um, you know, to, to where she was before uh, this kind of six to seven month journey that we've been on started. Um, but I'm just grateful, man, for God uh, giving me the strength to do that, which I know I couldn't do by myself. That, that's awesome. Man. And I think that that's a good place to put a bow on this conversation. We can go on for hours, but I think that's a good place to wrap up. Amari, it was great talking to you, man, a really good hearing, hearing your voice. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm proud of you and I'm happy that everything continues to go well for you and your family. Before before we wrap up, just tell our listeners, you know, how they can get in touch, in touch with you. Tell us about your church, um, where they can find you when you're preaching, all that good stuff. Okay, man. Well, um, you know, I'm on uh, social media. So if you, um, my, my handle on, on the gram and uh, on Facebook is Rev Omari Hughes. Um, so you can um, find find me there and follow me there. Um, the, the church where I serve is actually an outcrop of Reed Temple, as you mentioned. And um, so I serve there as part of a lead team um, with um, my co-laborer in ministry, if you will. Her name is 
um, Reverend Shalita Fombi. We um, we serve uh, at an outcrop of that ministry called um, New Life, New Life Laurel. And so that's where I am on Sundays. Um, we're in uh, Laurel, Maryland, uh, 7120 Conti Road at, at 10 o'clock. That's our service time. We're also there on Tuesday nights uh, at 7 p.m. And man, just kind of loving um, being able to give birth to a, a new ministry and a new move of God. And that way, it's been a blessing. Um, and so that's what I'm doing there. Um, I think they have different clips of stuff that I've preached in the past on YouTube and places like that. So people can probably Google me there. But uh, checking out our website, newlifeloral.org. Um, and of course, um, those social media handles will probably be the best uh, way to grab a hold. All right, my man. Thank you for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast. Man, thank you so much for having me. Man. Blessings to you. I want to thank my man, Reverend Omari Hughes, for joining me on the show today. And as always, thank you for listening. The Fatherhood Podcast can be found on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and others. On social media, be sure to like the Fatherhood Podcast page on Facebook and check me out on Instagram at the Fatherhood Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, thank you for listening. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is the Fatherhood Podcast.